Shalom, salam, namaste, peace, greetings. This is Harlem University Radio. I am Naeem Abdurafi. Uh, this is uh, July 12th, 2022, and our discussion tonight will be uh, about the transition of, from feudalism to nationalism. First, uh, the introduction. We study history to find humanity, what was, is, and can be. We write history, memoirs in particular, to find ourselves. So we're encouraging the reading of what should be read, history, and encouraging the writing of what should be written, memoirs, and history. This is the Harlem U mission. Harlem University professors share history, their writing, or reading. So if they're working on memoirs, they share that work. Um, and if they're reading something that um, is... Uh, <clears throat> You know, might complement in some way the what is currently being discussed, then they would come on and do that also. <clears throat> so who are these professors? You. Just a matter of arranging to come on to the show and um, do some sharing. So we broadcast live. <clears throat> you may be picking this up on demand. We broadcast live on Tuesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern. So ideally, you would need to be available at that time. But we can actually work around that. Uh, you know, we can do some some pre-recording stuff. So give it some thought, <clears throat> and. Uh, if you have some thoughts, uh, the way to connect with me, Naeem Abdurafi, Naeem Abdurafi, the way to connect with me is uh, at my show page, the URL of which is 607-206-9720.com. Again, 607-206-9720. Com. One more time, 607-206-9720.com. All right. <clears throat> so we go to tonight's reading, which, by the way, will be relatively brief. Um, so we're talking about the transition from feudalism to nationalism. And um, we're working with the 1936 textbook um, on the road to civilization, <clears throat> on the road to civilization, a world history uh, by professors Albert Kerr Heckel and uh, James G. Sigmund. On the road to civilization, a world history 
published in 1936 by John C. Winston Company, Philadelphia. So uh, the main part of uh, what we want to do, well, the main part of what we want to begin to do starts in chapter 23. Um, But we're not going to go very far into chapter 23, but we're going to start out, okay, with um, uh, um, immaterial in in chapter uh, 22, the chapter uh, about uh, uh, feudalism. So go back and we're going to talk about chivalry and the church under feudalism and uh, just a couple of more issues. And then we'll get on to the transition to nationalism, focusing just on France, and, 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 then, and then we'll stop. Okay, so... Back to feudalism, this is actually in chapter 22. The topic is chivalry. So it is said, out of the grim life of the castle, there grew in the 12th century an institution that has been called the flower of feudalism, that is chivalry. It had its beginning in the, in, in the high esteem which feudal society held for the warrior. An honored knight was a skillful fighter, a brave soldier, a faithful vassal. From the feudal ideals of loyalty, fidelity, bravery, and devotion developed chivalry with its high ideals of honor, justice, courtesy, defense of women, and protection of the helpless. However, however, originally the knight was far from being chivalrous. He protected only those who paid for protection. He was a brutal warrior who killed the unarmed without mercy and regarded woman as an inferior being worthy of no great respect. Nobles often beat their wives. Hmm. A blow on the nose seems to have been the custom. Somehow, in the teachings of the church and the romances of the poets, new ideals were created, which made him the perfect lover and the champion of the week, of the week, W-E-A-K, the week, the helpless. So we're talking about the flower of feudalism, uh, which evolved from uh, anything but a flower. So topic, how the church was feudalized. The church was brought into the feudal system through its accumulation of great estates. Frequently, the faithful to, quote unquote, store of treasures in heaven, gave their lands to the institution which was the sole agent of salvation. This land was held, in each case, as a fief. Hence the king came, uh, came to 
number came to number bishops and abbots among his vassals, requiring them, of course, to pledge loyalty and perform stipulated feudal services. The question of the investiture of the bishop with these temporal possessions later led to a long and bitter quarrel between the so-called Holy Roman Empire and uh, the papacy. So the investiture controversy is significant, and we'll be talking about that uh, um, quite a bit going forward, not tonight. The issue was, um, so you have you 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 have uh, the church um, bishops, for example, having a considerable uh, land, which, in order uh, to have it protected, um, uh, vassalized themselves, you know. Uh, to a uh, to a lord, okay, a a, a king, a, a feudal king, um, and so the land thus became a fief. So the land is this is feudalism. The land is put into into you know under the protection of someone capable of protecting it, and then the land is given back to you, or some portion of it is given back to you, the vassal. And you pledge, you know, you pledge allegiance, you pledge loyalty, you know, to the, uh, you know, to the king, and, uh, and 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 you are, and that king is your lord, and and you're the vassal. So this happened with uh, uh, popes and abbots, you know, the heads of uh, of, of monasteries, and the, you know, this this raises this caused a problem. Okay. <clears throat> The truth of God, uh, topic, the truth of God, despite its partial feudalization, the church remained almost the only force which attempted to eliminate feudal warfare. The church tried to pledge the knights to leave off plunder and devastation, but a special act was necessary to make the effort authoritative. A church council in 1041 adopted a measure known as the truce of God. It forbade all fighting over the weekend and during Advent and Lent and on certain church holidays. If the truce of God had been strictly observed, it would have reduced war to 120 days of the year. So the truce didn't have as much force as was necessary. Okay, another topic. Uh, This is actually a summary, uh, the author's summary. The good that came came of feudalism. The feudal age was a period of transition from the collapse of the Roman government in Western Europe to the formation of the strong monarchies of the later Middle Ages. Feudalism had many features that were evil, but it met a great need during this transitional period by giving protection to society when the state was still too feeble to give it. Feudal lords, though harsh and arrogant, 
and oppressive toward the lower classes, stood for their own rights against the arrogance or despotism of kings. Perhaps, that is, these feudal lords were actually um, vassals of, of the king. So, you know, vassals have lesser vassals who have lesser vassals, so forth. Perhaps there could have been there could have been evolved a less crude and a less cumbersome substitute for state control uh, than feudalism, but it was the social order which developed naturally at the time, and it served to, it served to tide Western Europe over from a condition of utter confusion to the building of modern nations. There was also virtue in the very cooperation which the organization of the manor made necessary. The manor is the, the home of, of the Lord, the feudal Lord. Uh, according to one scholar, the forced equality of the peasants on these medieval estates influenced the ideal of human equality, which later became the basis of democratic government. All right. <clears throat> So now, now we go uh, to chapter 13 as such, uh, the title of which is uh, France and England during the feudal period. And we're just going to deal with France in just a bit. Birth of nationalism, that's the topic. There were two great political tendencies during the Middle Ages, the imperial and the national. Imperialism is the policy of a state to extend its government over outside peoples. Nationalism is the united devotion of a people to the interests and policies of their own state. National states are, are, are so typical of our political organization in the 20th century that we accept them without much thought uh, of their origin. But thus far in our study of civilization, we have met with no national states in the modern sense, with the possible exception of early Rome. There were empires, city-states, and feudal states. There were nations, but there was not strong national feeling, which we call patriotism, or love of country. <clears throat> in ancient times, loyalty was to one city, in, in uh, uh, one city. Uh, in, in feudal times, loyalty was local and personal. But it was during the feudal period that the beginnings were made in bringing political unity out of feudal anarchy. The process went on for centuries and resulted in making of our nation states. This national movement can be observed during the medieval period, especially in France, England, Spain, Portugal, and Holland. Germany and Italy did not achieve their nationality until the middle of the 19th century, because in those countries, the German successors of Charlemagne kept alive the idea of the Roman Empire and attempted to maintain imperial authority over Germany and Italy. 
Growth of royal power in France. When Hugh Capet came into power in AD 987, he found that the collapse of the empire of Charlemagne left only feudal fragments, kingdom, kingdoms in which, pow, in which power of the king was limited even within, within his own feudal domains. The kings often had vassals more powerful than themselves. This was the situation in the western, western remnant of Charlemagne's empire late in the 10th century. After a life and death struggle between the royal power and the feudal principalities, the feudal fragments of West Franklin were welded into the great national state of France with a common language, a common civilization, a common patriotism. This was the work of the Capetian dynasty, which began with Hugh Capet. C-A-P-E-T. It was with the accession of Louis the Fat in, in 1108 that the development of a real French monarchy, uh, accession of Louis the Fat, that there was development of a, that development of a real French monarchy began. So Hugh Capet. 987, so a century, more than a century. The accession of Louis the Fat, I I assume that he's a Capetian, I'm not sure. That the development of a real French monarchy began. He established his authority over his feudal domain, the Duchy of France, leaving to his grand, his successors, the undivided uh, resources of this feudal state. Okay. So unlike the uh, 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 the Germans, he didn't uh, he didn't uh, divide up his uh, his realm, you know, among his successors. His grandson Philip Augustus more than doubled the royal domain and greatly increased the royal power. Philip's grandson, Louis the Ninth, or Saint Louis or Saint Louis, also added territories to his domain and, and made administrative reforms which advanced the unity of the kingdom. Under Louis the Ninth's grandson, Philip the Fourth, so you got to remember all of these numbers. So it will be a quiz or Philip the Fair, that's Philip IV, France became the leading power of Europe. Philip became the first absolute monarch of modern times. It was under this most absolute king that the first French National Representative Assembly met. In 1302, a few years after the model parliament, parliament of Edward I of England, the French Assembly was uh, okay. This okay. The French Assembly was called the Estates General, being composed of three social classes or estates. The clergy was the first estate. Nobles were the second, 
and the representatives of the cities were the third. <clears throat> the Estates General did not play the important part in French political history that the Parliament played in English history. The mere fact, however, that the third estate was represented in, in an assembly showed that France had become a nation. A feeling of common nationality uh, possessed all, noble and non-noble alike. But French national existence was put to a severe test by a prolonged series of wars with the English, who had also developed nationality. Before studying this conflict, known as the Hundred Years, Years War, we'll take up the story of English history. It is of particular importance to us because it explains much that has entered our own civilization. For the beginning of the English nation, we must start with the Germanic invasions. So <clears throat> we'll do that next time. The focus will be on the Vikings, the Northmen, and uh, you know from there the uh, the, uh, the the establishment of English England and the uh, the, the resulting struggle between the two countries. That is the Hundred Years' War. Okay. So with that, uh, I thank you for your attention and your forbearance. And if you want, again, if you want to give feedback or connect for the purpose of uh, uh, joining the faculty, uh, the, the, the uh, landing page is, again, 607-206-9720.com. 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 My name is Naeem Abdurafi, N-A-I-M, Naeem Abdurafi, A-B-D-U-R-R-A-F-I, F as in Frank, or France. All right, so with that, um, shalom, salam, so long.